congregation is. That was God coming. Oh my gosh. God's beautiful, joyful expression, and we just prayed on that. Great. Thank you, Carol. So 30 years ago, when I walked first through the doors of what was then Pacific Church of Religious Science, one of the first people I met was today's guest speaker. And I know that's true for many of you who have been around this church in its many incarnations over the years. Steve Cooper is a licensed practitioner, was a licensed practitioner then, <clears throat> and uh, right away as I continued to come to the church week after week, uh, I came to know that Steve was a very important person <laughs> in the church. He was the choir director and took the choir, I don't remember what it was called, the Miracle Choir. The Miracle Choir. <laughs> The yeah, because it was a miracle that it happened, yeah. <laughs> but it was a wonderful choir, and he would create wonderful things out of that group of singers, just as James does with the Highest Vision Choir. He was, and still is, a great teacher. He taught many of us, especially the practitioners who went through different classes. He held seminars and workshops and has um, a creative um, expression that resulted in wonderful music and musical compositions. Um, the uh, uh, illumination tree is, is something he created with Val, his wife, at the time and they um, create music for children and adults that teach peace and tolerance. Um, Steve uh, taught foundations, spiritual practices, spiritual mysticism, revealing the Christ. And as the years went on, his faith and his uh, truth became even greater, deeper, more expansive. And so we are truly honored and blessed today to be able to have him here. And good luck following Carol, but I know that, <laughs> I, know, I know you're up to the task. Uh, so please welcome Steve Cooper. There I am. Oh my gosh, there's so many of you out here. Oh, I, I invited everybody on Facebook. <laughs> and now here we are. So I'm really excited about this. The reason I'm here is because um, in, I, I've been visiting Vision for over a year, just coming in now and then. And every time I came in, I liked it more and more here because this is a really solid church with with great people, solid people. And my original tribe is here, which means people like Joe that I've known forever. And I've been in the, the science of mind teaching for 50 years. I know, <laughs> especially since I'm only 45. <laughs> and um, anyways, um, I talked to Johnny and Patty, and um, I really wanted to launch a new series of classes next year. 
And so I, I asked to be up here today. They didn't ask me. So I just said, you know, it would be great if people got to know me. Let me do a Sunday service. And uh, Johnny said January 15th. And all of us, oh, I'm really um, loud here. <laughs> okay, take me down, take me down. Okay, thank you. And anyways, so I go home and I'm, th I'm thinking, oh, I love Christmas. I love the Jesus story, the whole thing from the birth to the, the crucifixion and resurrection. I've done a lot of workshops with that. And so um, my talk landed right in the Christmas season, right? How can you beat that? So I'm thinking about what should the talk title be, and right away it came in. A child, oh, is, are they up there? Okay. Yeah, a child shall lead the way. And um, when you think about that, that's pretty much true because the new generation is always bringing in the new ideas the, that's going to cause everything to evolve. And every avatar and... Um, great teacher, they were actually all children once. So, you know, they all started out the same way, and the child brings in the possibilities so for new life, uh, a new way of being, and that's how things move and get changed. So I thought, okay, well, that's great. And, but I didn't, you know, that's kind of a tough topic to work with. So um, right away, I called Time Magazine, and I said, is Gre uh, Greta... Uh, Thunberg available for the person of the year. So they said, okay, we, we know you're speaking on Jan um, December 15th, so we'll put her up for person of the year. So she is our, um, our poster child, as, as it, so to speak. So that's all I've got. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. This is going to be really, really fun. And if I'm sweating, it's because I plan to. <laughs> it's not, not nerves or anything like that. So anyways, um, I, yeah, I taught for, have taught classes for 25 years, and I taught all the, the certificated classes, foundations, and all of those that you know about. But I began being interested. What I was really interested in as a teacher was n answering this question, and that is, does everybody kind of go through the same thing when they come to us and want to take a class, find God, find themselves? You know, they're asking the classic questions like, is there a meaning to this? Is there a purpose to my life? Is there a God? What happens to me when I die and all this stuff? And science of mind pretty much answers a lot of those well. But, um, you know, the journey itself is the domain of for me, for, of Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And he studied the stories from all over the world and found that all the different cultures had similar um, stories um, so that somehow um, these stories were embedded in the race consciousness and, and our individual psyches so that we actually play out these themes. And the theme were playing out now is the birth of the holy child and um, anyways in, in investigating Joseph Campbell and teaching classes and that I realized there is, a, there is a universal pathway to enlightenment and to self-fulfillment 
And all you have to do is watch the Hallmark Channel during Christmas <laughs> and you, for the happy ending, because that's what we're all wanting. <laughs> yeah, I am funny. <laughs> so anyways, um, I'm going to read, uh, what I want to do first is frame this whole biblical thing, story, because this is from the Bible, right? So uh, let's, let's see how it fits in the whole thing. And here, there's a theme in the Bible, and I'm, I'm not a, a conservative, just so you'll know up ahead, and, uh, but there's a, the theme of the Bible is this, and this is a mythical theme, Joseph Campbell, archetypes. Here it is, paradise lost, paradise regained. Okay? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. So the paradise lost part is the, the, the mythic fall in Genesis, which is where all the trouble begins, but it's actually where all the fun begins because now you get to sin <laughs> but, you know, from our standpoint of where we put in science of mind, God has become all things. So you and me, we are the expression of spirit. And I, I always wondered why weren't we born knowing that, but I, I guess that's part of the plan. It's supposed to be this way. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. I got to go. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really did forget what I was going to say. Okay. Oh, the fall and everything. Okay, so here, this is something you may not have ever heard, but I think that it's true. There's two big points in this whole thing. One is, it is not Adam and Eve that fell and got kicked out of the garden. It's the God that fell into the world. To God itself became Adam and Eve and God was kicked out of the garden. And this is called the, when the divine adventure began. So this is, there's a name for it. It's called the divine adventure. So the, the God enters its own creation. And this, this theme is in Hinduism and a lot of other religions. But the, the God takes form, enters the world. It's the divine adventure, challenges, light and dark. All these things happen to it. So this, it, the whole thing was a setup because God wanted to have a good time. Only it was hard. So anyways, that's Genesis. God is creator. But then the whole Old Testament is pretty much a, um, it's a big story of, it's a karmic soap opera is what it kind of is. Because... Um, you know, you could pray to God um, to smite your enemies. You know, like anything goes. Um, so, um, and the, the law was the Mosaic law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So that's what was getting played out. And so every karmic situation you can imagine is in that Old Testament. Like God says to Abraham, go kill your son. And, you know, <laughs> you know the rest of it. So all this stuff gets played out in the Old Testament, and it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So right in the, here's the next part, and this is what we're celebrating now. Now Jesus comes along, the birth of the holy child. And here's the deal with this. This is kind of surprising too. 
but um, we all think that God sent Jesus to save in to save the world. But here it is, is that um, God didn't bring Jesus in. The human race brought Jesus in. And this works, this thing works over and over again. When things are not going well, when life is being diminished and being and you know, becoming difficult for the race, there's a yearning in people's heart for deliverance. There's a, there's a yearning for a Messiah. There's a yearning for a new way of being. And so guess what? We bring in the saviors and we bring in the avatars. They come because we have a yearning. We need them. We want a new way of being and a new way of life. And we, we want liberation. Are you with me? Okay. So that part. So um, the coming of the the Holy Child, that's uh, the middle of the story. And so what does the Holy Child bring in? Holy Child brings in this idea of unconditional love. So no longer an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now you're supposed to pray for those that are hurting you. You forget, practice forgiveness, generosity, and all those, those things. So it's a, a whole new way of being based on love. And <clears throat> then, so the re we've been trying to work that out now for the last 2,000 years, Right? So we're trying to still figure out how we can love that much, how we can forgive that much, how you know, we can pass this on to other people so that we can have peace on earth. Um, this is from Matthew Fox, the Catholic priest that got excommunicated because he was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So here, here's what he said. I love this. Christ comes to redeem the fall. And that only means to restore the original blessedness and sanctity of creation. So redemption, restoring, bringing everything back to what, what's really meant to be the nature of God, which is love. And I mean, I want to say right here, um, you know, um, the Old Testament, a lot of that is very patriarchal. And Jesus was actually a representative of the goddess. He was the one who brought the divine feminine back into the picture. Because all the things that he did, healing, caring for people, loving, all everything that he taught was like a feminine quality um, to bring more life to the earth. So they kind of mark the end of patriarchy and the beginning, not only of the divine feminine, but of androgyny itself. And I chose that picture. That to me, in the workshops I've done, that, that was the holy child to me. And she, he, she is kind of androgynous. And th that theme runs through many of the, the religions of the world, that the avatar is both masculine and feminine. Are you with me so far? Okay. So where all this ends, well, well, let me read this part. 
So the aim of the Christ is to move away from disconnected ways of living. The destruction of the ecosystem, materialism, empire building, neglect of children and the elderly, and condemnation of others. So this is the pill that he brought for our, the ailing society. Okay, that's part one. The talk will start pretty soon. <laughs> this is the foreplay. <laughs> so this return to the divine feminine, it's a celebration of the world, of living and dying, of bliss and compassion. It connects all the pairs of opposites and goes beyond all judgments of good and evil. Are you with me? Okay. You, can you feel that? How, wouldn't it be nice if we did that? That we went beyond all, everything is not just good and evil, but there's more to it than that. So, <clears throat> here's what I wrote. Jesus' teachings restore the idea of being made in the image of God. God is the father of all, loving all, forgiving all. And I want to stop right here at this point because this is, this is important. E either you believe what Jesus taught or not. And I mean, there's a lot of translation problems that you, you know, you kind of have to, you know, run the Bible through a coffee filter and see what drips out the bottom. And which it would be the truth. <laughs> but um, so there, there can't be any hell if that's our father. If God is our heavenly father, hell is out the window. Okay, forget it. It doesn't happen. We, we get to create it ourselves if we wish because we're free. And Ernest Holmes says um, that hell is an experience we're allowed to have. Okay, there you go. Because, I mean, we, we get enough of that on earth without having to die and, and have it. <laughs> and the other things, too, like salvation, because we're, we're God-informed, we're already saved. When the Jehovah's Witnesses come around, I say, you know, I'm already saved. I've been saved since I was six. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys can take that in, but this whole thing about being... Um, um, condemned to eternal damnation. That ain't God. There ain't no way that's God. God is this Father who loves us like He loves us every sparrow that's out there. So, so that I don't know if that um, gives you any relief that you're not going to hell after all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not either, so I'll see you wherever we end up. So, um, anyways, this, let's see if I can complete this. So, um, yeah, so that was the middle of the biblical cycle. You know, the fall, the God enters its own creation to have experiences. The teaching of love comes in, eliminating the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth mentality. And then the promise is um, the new Jerusalem. So this is where... Um, God comes back to earth 
and a new order of life is established. It's like heaven on earth. Well, it's supposed to be. And probably most of you have heard, you know, the, um, a lot of the prophecies and things. They get pretty wild. I think some of the prophets were hanging out at the dispensary. <laughs> well, they were seen there. <laughs> That's all I can say. So, so here's the message, and I, you know, so that's the mythology of the whole thing. And the, the thing about a myth, this is Joseph Campbell, and I think it's true. A myth is a story that is always happening. You know, for, in, there's three ways of looking at a myth. It was a, a story that was true, that happened, and it instructs us in how to live or s other things. But then a myth eventually, you know, they get a lot... Um, elaborated quite a bit in, like Buddha, as soon as he was born, he took nine steps and said, no one is greater than me. You know, that might not have happened. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so, anyways, so then a myth became a story that never happened. Like when you say something is a myth, you say, well, it's not, you're thinking it's not true. But the, the reality is that a myth is a story that is always happening. So you take, let's just take the motifs in Jesus' life. These are little scenes that happen. Um, we could start with Mary in the Annunciation. So she's hanging out. I don't know what she was doing or wearing at the time, but an angel visited her <laughs> and said, you're going to have a son and it's going to be um, the son of God. I don't know if that was the exact wording. And you're going to be carrying this holy child. This is a story that happens for us. When, when, do you get, when you get an inspiration or a motivation to do something new, a call is what it is in mythology. It's a calling, you know, to, to a new way of life. I got mine when, um, when I was in my 40s. I was in engineering I had actually been a conscientious objector in the 60s because I didn't want to go to Vietnam. And um, <clears throat> I just lose it right, right here and there. So um, when I went into engineering, I was a silversmith for a long time, but then I went into engineering for a while. And I, I through no choice of my own, I ended up um, down at Convair where they were working on cruise missiles and stuff. And this was like 20 years after I was a conscientious objector. And one day I was down there and I, I was looking around and I'm thinking, this isn't right. You, now you've made this claim about the, that you stand for peace. And now look at where you are. And that day was a turning point in my life. I went back to classes with Kathy Hearn. I became a practitioner and well actually we went through a visioning thing and what happened for me what came out of the visioning was uh, two two passions music and metaphysics so I thought I'd been in spirituality for a long time so I thought oh I, I could be a teacher I could do that that would be really great and so um, I started teaching as soon as I got my practitioner license and I loved it 
and I began creating new classes. And the music part came in um, when they needed a new choir director. And I had just taken a class in children's music, and I thought, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. And so, um, yeah, I did it, and I was choir. I had choirs for like 16 years or something, and it was one of the most wonderful experiences in my life. And the thing is, I never had planned on any of that happening. And my, uh, the only instruction I got for choir directing was, start the music and begin waving your hands. <laughs> and then when the music stops, stop waving your hands. And that was all I got. And I, you know, I made it happen. <laughs> it was a miracle. No, it's true. They, they, they thought, it's going to be a miracle if Cooper pulls this off. <laughs> How am I doing on time? I, didn't, I forgot to look at the clock. Johnny, five? Oh, man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I better get down to the, the talk will now begin. <laughs> so here it is. Here's, you know, that's the mythology of the Holy Child. Here's the message, and you know it. Jesus' teachings restore the idea of being made in the image of God. Um, I read that already. <clears throat> He brings attention to our thoughts and actions and offers spiritual practices as outlined in the Sermon on the Mount. We are no longer allowed to have enemies, practice judgment, condemnation. We are to forgive and be generous. We are to become pure in heart, peacemakers, trusting in God the Father and doing good work. Jesus called attention to the forgotten paradise when he tells us, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that we are to help reveal it. That's what we're here to do, is revealing the Christ consciousness. And Jesus, Jesus is the man. Christ consciousness is universal. That's not his last name. Okay? So we all have that consciousness. It's God within us. Um, so how do we reveal it? And here's the thing. Jesus' teachings were all about relationships. Okay. When you think about it, relationship to God. God is the Father, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, God, self. What's your relationship to yourself? Like, who do you think you are? How do, what's that image? God, self, and others. We think When we think of Jesus' teachings, we think about how we're treating others and forgiveness and all of that type of thing. So God, self, and others. And now we have to put the world in there. We have to think about our relationship to the world because as you can, you all know, that's very important. So, to, and I gave this class called Revealing the Christ. Um, Ernest Holmes has this uh, sentence in the Science of Mind book. It says, um, we all partake of the Christ nature, and to the, the extent that we reveal the Christ, we become the Christ. And so I made a class out of that, and because it's true, like in our daily lives, we all encounter situations where we have a choice about what to do, do and you can reveal the Christ. And this usually means having all your buttons removed, okay, all of your reactive 
be beliefs and behaviors so that you can do something that's clear and true and loving. So to re we, to reveal the Christ, we heal our mistaken ways of seeing things and see the divine love in all. And then we watch for opportunities to express it. The practice is to affirm life and love. That's, that's a good measure to hold up your actions and thoughts to. Does, does this affirm life? That's the guide. Or does this diminish life? Okay, so think about that. And um, let, uh, let others know that you love them. Show empathy and kindness. Practice generosity and selflessness. Empower others with your words. Be mindful of your thoughts and actions. So that's pretty much the talk. That was really short compared to the foreplay, I know. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to get in so much trouble when I get home. <laughs> so anyways, that's, so that's, that's the way I see it. Um, you know, paradise lost, paradise regained. And that, that mythic theme is going on over and over again. Every day we get a chance to regain paradise. And every day we can lose it, too, because by, you know, our thoughts and actions. Um, is that it, Johnny? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. No, I only have one more thing to do. Um, well, you'll see. <laughs> so, um, how does that all sound to you? Yeah. So we bring in this new Jerusalem, and in the, the new world, God walks among the people again, and there's peace and all, all of that. So imagine that, walking with us. And the thing is, when you walk with all the people in this room and others, you are walking with God. So don't forget that part, because that's, that's where we live, in the oneness. So, one, one more drink. What I would like to do is really um, send you home with a gift. And um, I wrote a, a centering series of affirmations that I would like to do with you. And I've done them before. And these really emphasize the Christ teaching. So it's going to be, a, you know, normally we are saying I'm whole, complete, and perfect. This might say I forgive those who have wounded me. So you see the, the, the approach is different in this. So what I'd like you to do is close your eyes and repeat um, after me. This is only going to take a couple minutes. But as you use your voice, um, just know that it has power when you repeat these words. So do that with intention, even though um, you don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> so here we go. So repeat after me. <clears throat> There is one loving creator. That love lives within me. I honor that love within me. I am worthy of divine love. I release unworthiness. 
I release false limitations. I release unloving thoughts. I let go of resentments. I forgive those who have wounded me. I forgive myself. I have compassion for all. I see the divine in others. I lift people up in my mind. I know the spiritual truth for them. I do not judge others. I do not belittle others. All my relationships are lifted up. All my relationships are holy. I attract people that I love. I attract people that love me. I see spirit in others. Others see spirit in me. I am one with the universe. I am whole and complete. I am centered in love. I am full of life. I accept happiness and peace. I am free. I am free. I am free. And so it is. Woohoo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have just one more thing to say. You have an assignment. Okay, it's, it's not a big one, but I, I want you to tell more people that you love them. I want you to tell people that you're proud of them and that you support them and that you're thinking of them and lifting them up. And I'd like you to do that with at least one person before you leave this room. Just, woohoo! <laughs> one of my roommates. <laughs> she, she's got to love me if she wants the heat. <laughs> well, I didn't mean it that way. So, no, but I want you to take this seriously. And th there's people in this room you see all the time. You know, take a chance and tell somebody, you know, I see you all the time here. I, I really, I love you. I want you to know that, right? And it's a good thing to say because you, know, you may not be here tomorrow or they may not. So tell people you love them, you're proud of them, and you're lifting them up. That's it. Thank you.